Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi everyone, this is Rohit from Life's Mastery and I'm excited to have Steve Chu, who's the founder of My Wife Could Her Job Podcast, which is among the top 25 marketing shows on Apple Podcasts. Um, and it's, uh, Steve also runs Bumble Lee Linens and hosts an annual conference called The Seller's Summit. He's also the author of the new book, The Family First Entrepreneur. Welcome to the show, Steve. Glad to be here, Rohit. Awesome. You know, the, uh, I've been a big fan uh, of your blog and your podcast. I think uh, one of the reasons I was able to do this podcast um, is because, you know, I was following your journey and I, I love the way you used to uh, run the podcast uh, and run the blog. And I, I love the consistency that you've done. Um, but, I, I, you know, out of curiosity, I just want to want to understand how did you get your start in this in this world of e-commerce and what got you, you know, uh, started with the entire journey? I mean, my whole journey in e-commerce was all kind of luck. Uh, my wife just, when she became pregnant with our first child, she went up to me and said, hey, I want to quit. Right. And we live in the Silicon Valley. It's pretty expensive here. Right. And you pretty much need two incomes to get a good house in a good school district. We stumbled upon e-commerce because back when we got married uh, three years earlier, we were looking all over the place for handkerchiefs for our wedding because mm. my wife didn't want to be photographed carrying like a nasty tissue because she cries a lot. <laughs> uh, and we just looked all over the place. We finally found a factory in China. We imported a bunch, used maybe only a handful of them. And then we listed the rest on eBay. So they, and they sold like hotcakes. So fast forward, when she became pregnant, she went up to me and she said, yeah, I want to quit. And we had to figure out what we wanted to do to make money. And then we remembered the handkerchiefs from our wedding. So we actually got back in touch with that factory, which was still in business, imported a bunch, and then that's how BumblebeeLinens.com was born. Ended up making uh, over $100,000 in profit in our first year, which allowed my wife to quit her job in good conscience. Mm, very interesting. And in, in hindsight, would you, would you build an e-commerce business or something which you were working on in your day job? Because I think it was very technical work that you're doing. Uh, or something in SaaS, you know, or would you still stick on to e-commerce? I think it just depends on how quickly you want to make the money. Right. I think e-commerce is probably the fastest way because you're physically selling something and exchanging money. Uh, you mentioned SaaS. I, th I think SaaS is one of the hardest business models. You're not going to see profits for a while because you have to pay your engineers and, and that sort of thing. But right. that being said, that is probably something that I eventually want to pursue because my background is in electrical engineering, right. uh, specifically microprocessor design. Mm, so super interesting, and um, and and you know, obviously, I I I'm, I I haven't used uh, Bumblebee, but I, I've uh, you know browsed a lot of articles on my quick uh, wife got a job, which is like a media and training site. But uh, was it a conscious choice to focus on these two businesses? I mean, I only ha I only write about what I've done. Right. So my wife quit her job is essentially a journal of my e-commerce journey. Right. And then just in doing mywifequitterjob.com, which is a blog, I learned about all these other skills, affiliate marketing, advertising, sponsorships, and all that stuff, running events, podcasting, YouTube, and basically anything that I do, I just document it. Mm, okay, got it. Oh, so you know, let's talk about about e-commerce. You know, um, so so there are a lot of uh, not. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of courses uh, about e-commerce from a lot of people. But 
uh, in 2023 can can somebody still get into e-commerce and make money yeah absolutely i mean everyone's always saying that business models are dead i mean you shop online everyone's shopping online if you have something to sell then yeah of course it can be viable i mean you have to do things right and you have to understand how to market and get traffic to your site but absolutely i mean it's it's for sure not dead hmm okay okay and and you know if if i have to start something um uh, you know uh and you know for example your goal was to make 100000 per year well, what's the what's a budget for, for you, you would suggest to you know start something it can't be 100 right or it can't be 29 from shopify so what's i think what's, it just right? to, it just depends on your business model i mean right. these days i advise everyone to go the private label route right this is where you produce a product under your own brand name creating yeah. a a unique product that adds value to start something like that i would say the minimum investment is around $3000 right. i would say okay there's cheaper ways to do e-commerce you can do the traditional model which is where you buy someone else's product and you usually make about a 50% gross margin when you sell someone else's brand okay um, you can also do drop shipping which is not a model that i particularly like this is where you have an arrangement with the uh, supplier where you take orders and they supply the uh, order they they store and ship the order to the end customer hmm. margins are very small with this business model and uh it actually has a bad name because all the most of the scams in e-commerce that you see out there are related to drop shipping no oh, i see okay yeah. got it and um and would you advise people to you know get products from china but you know what if i'm i'm there in the uk or in, or in europe is it advice still to get products from china i mean i think it depends i mean things have been changing over the last i don't know just several years since the pandemic really right. uh, ever since uh, our former president of the united states imposed tariffs and and whatnot right. a lot of people have been just kind of shifting their sourcing to other countries like india pakistan bangladesh vietnam and even some of our chinese manufacturers have purposely moved some of their operations over to those other countries to avoid the tariffs and china is right. getting more and more expensive so China's not the only game in town. They're probably still the main place to get products, but there's a whole bunch of other companies like India especially that are up and coming. No, oh, very interesting. Uh yeah, I mean no, it's definitely good to know because you know, I'm Indian and I love to see yeah. a, lot of, <laughs> a lot of manufacturing companies uh you know, you know doing better over there, but but uh, in 2023 should you still sell on on Amazon on or whatever distribution channels like Shopify yeah. and TikTok? I think for sure you always need to have your own site. So whether you do Shopify, BigCommerce or whatever platform you want, the platform doesn't matter. You have to have your own site. Right. I would also say that you should be on Amazon as well. I mean Amazon owns 50% of e-commerce at least in the US. So the goal really today is to go omni-channel. You might sell on Amazon, you also sell in your own online store, you might use TikTok shop or whatnot. The idea is to be everywhere. Okay, okay, got it. Uh, and uh, uh, i mean especially on amazon you can you can get a lot of traffic and you don't need to worry about distribution but uh, would you still suggest to go on shopify first and then go on amazon or would you want uh, yeah yeah the way i always teach it is to validate on amazon okay. and once you know you're going to follow through then start your own website uh, getting started on amazon is a lot easier because you just need to take some photos and write some copy when okay. you launch your own site there's a lot more things that you need to worry about conversion optimization layout 
you know, the flow, just even the design itself. So I would generally advise not investing all that time unless you know for sure that you're going to follow through. Mm, okay, got it. And and uh, you you also have a um, have your own online uh, uh, course which is called you know, create a profitable online store um, along along with another you know course part content. But um, how do how did that go about? Uh, and you know um, what what's the kind of revenue numbers that you're doing right now? Yeah, I mean that in itself is a seven figure business. Also, uh, I I, I'll be straight up. I didn't. I never wanted to launch a class. I, mm. I never did. I, I started journaling about my store, and then people started following my story, and then people just started asking me e commerce questions, and they people just kept asking for a course, and I actually did not want to do a course. I resisted it for a couple of years, and then finally I just said, "Hey, okay, I'm going to do a course, but it's not going to have any content in it at all." You guys pay me up front. And if I can get, you know, 10 people to sign up, I'll go ahead and create the class. Hmm. And then I ended up signing up 35 people. And I remember thinking to myself when that happened, I was like, oh man, okay, I guess I have to create this thing now. Hmm. And so I ended up just creating lessons. Uh, it started out twice a week, then it tapered down to once a week. But I've been doing that consistently now for over a decade, just a lesson a week. Oh, wonderful. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I tried to uh, to sell an online course and w I wasn't successful. I was trying to launch on Teachable and trying to do too many things. What advice would you give to somebody who wants to, uh, you know, say, create a content about enterprise sales or whatever? Um, what's what's the way about to get those kind of numbers that you're doing right now? Yeah, I mean, the only way to do it really is to build an audience. Okay. So before I even thought about launching the class, I had people asking for it. And it's because I had an audience that I gathered from my blog. Podcast mm. wasn't even out yet back then. Mm. It was just a blog. I created an email list. And I don't remember how many people I had on the email list when I launched. Maybe 10,000, 20,000 people. I don't know. I don't even remember. But mm. it was I just sold to those people only. And 35 people were willing to pay me $300 without any content in the class, just the promise that I was going to deliver. Today, I have an interesting stat for you to denote that the founder of Beautiful Lives increased the social media presence by 10x. They managed to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a cost-effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts. Use lifestylemastery.com slash socialpilot to get a 14-day free trial. And I really like your content strategy because, you know, you do a weekly class and then you do podcast and you've got a huge following on YouTube. Any any lessons on, you know, how do you how do you grow the YouTube channel? Uh, I think that's something which is very impressive because you got close to around 200,000 subscribers. Yeah. So YouTube, I think anything related to content is all about consistency. Okay. Uh, you basically have to just show up for a long time. Right. And specifically for YouTube like, to get views, you always have to hook them in with something mm -hmm. that uh, appeals to the masses. It might be a boring lesson that you're teaching, so you, but you always have to frame it in a way that makes it interesting for the masses. It, it takes practice. I mean, you should see some of my earlier YouTube videos, right. which, I, which I took down at this point because I felt a little bit embarrassed about it, but some of those early videos were just horrible. It just takes practice and consistency and just showing up. Mm, correct. And, and would you also suggest to, uh, you know, uh, do any keyword linking or run ads uh, to get to those numbers? I've never run ads on YouTube 
Um, I did start out doing a lot of keyword research okay. in the beginning because that was my background. That's how I grew my blog so large. It was through SEO. But what I've come to discover about YouTube is that SEO is probably just going to be a very small fraction of your traffic. Most of your reviews on YouTube actually come from YouTube recommendations and suggested videos. So okay. I now optimize for, you know, interest and maintain and uh, getting a, a large watch time for my for my viewers. I see. Okay. Um, and what's the content strategy for for YouTube? Do you do you, uh, I mean? I- Obviously, you do those podcasts, but you break up those podcasts, or do you do you like to speak um, uh, on uh, on camera and then you know put put out the content? Uh, just wondering, you know, what's how much time do you spend in a week? Yeah, so my content strategy is is predicated on reusing the same content. So I'll have a blog post, and I'll turn that into a video. I'll turn that into a podcast on occasion. So okay. it all just starts with one piece of content. And that one piece of content can be further broken down into short form videos for TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube shorts. Okay. Um, however, that being said, you can't just take a blog post and just read it right on a video. Yeah. You have to massage in a certain way so that there's a hook and you kind of you need to entice the person to stay watching the video throughout the entire mm-hmm. video duration. Okay, got it. And and how about YouTube Shorts and TikTok? Are they are they useful for uh, for getting more leads? I'm trying to figure that out. So what I did is I did TikTok religiously for one year, posting content. I think three or four times a week, and I built that to over a hundred thousand subs. Well, what I found is that you get a lot of impressions that way, right? But the quality of the people, at least I was getting from TikTok, were just kids, uh, people who weren't as serious. So I put that temporarily on pause. Mm-hmm. I've yet to explore uh, YouTube shorts to the same depth that I did TikTok, but mm-hmm. I have all this content that just needs to be posted. So I don't have a good answer for that. All I know is long form content converts extremely well. Because if someone's watching you for like a full 10 minutes, seeing your face, seeing the method that you teach, that has led to a lot of course sales and a lot of email signups. Mm, got it. Interesting. And um, I, I, you know, I love your book, which is uh, Family First Entrepreneur. And, um, and and what I really like is like you you spend uh, you know there's a, a there's a way to you know build up new products uh, in into your uh, into your strategy, which is like you, you start with a blog, then a podcast, or you'll have a course, and, and then you know you you started uh, you've now written a book. But what made you made you write the book, um, <laughs> and what's the yeah. you know strategy behind it? There's no strategy. The book is just something I've always wanted to do. I mm-hmm. always had on my bucket list to have the book in the store, walk my kids in there to see it on the shelf. Okay. And incidentally, the book is the only thing that my mom has ever understood out of everything that I've done. I mean, okay. she understands e-commerce to a certain extent, but when she heard that I was publishing a book, she got it and she was really excited. Mm, very interesting. Yeah. And, uh, you know, on, on Twitter, you have a lot of gurus, you know, uh, who talk about the hustle uh, mentality as well as working hard. But but you mentioned in the book that 99% of the business advice is wrong. Uh, and and why, do, why do you say that? You know, what is, what is the right approach to business? The reason why I said that is because most of the business advice that you get out there are from single guys. Mm-hmm. who have no responsibilities. I mean, they can work like 80 hours a week and whatnot, 
When I got started in e-commerce or just entrepreneurship in general, I had a kid on the way. And my goal in life was to just hang out with that child, like hang out as a family. So I can't work those hours. Uh, Let's just take Gary Vee as an example. Yeah. He he's always preached hustle, hustle, hustle. I, I wouldn't say that I'm a super lazy guy, but I would definitely categorize myself as kind of lazy. Right. I basically just want to do enough to achieve financial freedom so I can then free up my time to do what I want. I don't right. need a hundred million dollar company. I don't need to hustle, hustle, hustle to get where Gary V is, as right. an example. And so that's what that book is about. My book is about. It's really about finding what you truly value in life. And then doing just enough to to hit that point. Mm. And, and you know how how can somebody know what's their uh, freedom number so that they can you know quit the job and they they can live comfortably well? Uh, how do they get to decide that number? I think this is different for every single person. Right. I would say you should look at your own expenses, where you want to be, right. and then come up with a number. And then the safest thing to do is just double it at that point. Right, and then that that's your number. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, no, no, that totally makes sense. And um, and also, you know, I I love one of the blog posts uh, where you talk about you know twelve different sources of income, and I think uh, uh, you built up a lot of sources of income. But um, but w- w- what would you say is is the best way to create and you know passive source of income in two thousand twenty three? Where would you start with? Yeah. Okay, so first off, I just want to make the caveat that I do have all those sources of income, but I don't necessarily recommend doing it that way. Okay. Be- because my friends who are really successful, way more successful than I am, they've just always focused on one thing. Oh, okay. For me, my personality is I, I sometimes get bored and I want to try something new. And that's mm. how I ended up with all those income streams. Okay. Okay. So it's probably not necessarily the best way for everyone. Right. But your original question was, if you were to get started today, what is the fastest way to make money? Right. I would I would say that if your time frame for money is within like a year or like a year, right. I would start with e-commerce. Okay. If your time frame is two or three years, then I would do content. Specifically today, I would probably start some sort of video mm. channel, like a YouTube channel, mainly because with ChatGPT and AI coming out, it's getting really easy to copy stuff. And I think video is going to be the last bastion hmm. of, you know, uncopyability. It's going to be hard for someone to replicate your personality on, on a YouTube channel. Um, in terms of monetizing content, I would say that the best way to do it is affiliate marketing. Okay, This is where you just refer a sale and then you get a commission on it. Uh, even with low traffic levels, you can make a decent amount of money just with affiliate marketing. Okay. Okay. So, so would you recommend affiliate marketing on on YouTube channels? Is what you're suggesting uh, to start? Yeah, I think the the ads from YouTube, depending on the topic, probably aren't going to make you as much as just straight up sponsorship offers and affiliate offers. Okay. Okay. Got yeah. it. And and in, in in your book, you talked about the four burners theory um, yep. and how you can leverage it for entrepreneurs. So, you know, if you can talk about the four burner theory for the listeners, and um, what do you mean by that? Yeah. So the four burners theory states that your life is dictated by four burners. Okay. Um, there's health, family, friends, and work. Right. And the theory states that in order to do one thing really well, you need to turn off one of those burners. And if you want to do something extremely well, you got to turn off at least two of those burners. 
And if you're like Elon Musk, whose work is everything, he probably only has one burner going and the rest of them are turned off. Mm. And the theory is basically there to tell you that you can't really do everything. Yeah. Everything has sacrifices. So if you want you know, to make a lot of money and you want your business to do really well, you're probably going to have to sacrifice something. Early on, when we started our, our e-commerce store, we mainly sacrificed the friends burner and part of the health burner, I would say, mm. in order to get, get up and running right away. Uh, these days, my priorities have completely changed. You know, Family and health are my top burners. And work and and friends are are secondary. Mailman is a email assistant that shields you from unimportant emails, minimizing interruptions, and making your days calmer and more productive. You can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM, uh, which gives you the benefit of fifteen percent off for the first year on the annual plan, uh, which already has twenty percent discounted compared to the monthly plan. So you can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM. It's very interesting that you haven't sold any of your businesses. You've been doing it for such a long time. But do you see in future, you know, selling any of your any of your assets, be it you know your content business or your e-commerce business? And which one would you part away with? So I don't. I think it's dumb to sell a business oh. unless you see something is going to change, or if you're just tired of running it. Mm. Because think about it this way: uh, the e-com an e-commerce business sells for maybe three or four x. Okay what your earnings are, right? right? So why not just hold that business for another three years if it's not that big of a deal? Mm. The only reason you should sell is if you think what you're doing is going to tank, right? Or if you're just exhausted from running it, you just don't want any part of it anymore. I would say in our case, worst case scenario, if we were tired of running it, we would probably just hire someone to, to manage it, right? Yeah. right? Probably wouldn't sell it unless I think our store is going to tank. Uh, in terms of sellability, I really think that only Bumblebee Linens is really a sellable business for us. My wife quit her job and the content side is unfortunately based largely on me mm. and it'd be really hard to sell. Okay. Okay. Got it. And, um, and how do you, how do you, you know, what keeps you going and, you know, how do you get to, you know, decide your why in, in, in business? Uh, you've been very consistently working on uh, both the business without any outside funding, uh, but what's your why in business now? So these days, so the way I've always operated is I'll just pick something that I'm interested in that okay. I'm willing to do forever. And it just becomes part of the routine. It's just part of my life. I don't even think of it as work anymore. It's just something that I do. Like I do content on Sunday mornings. So okay. that's what I, how I spend my Sunday mornings. Thursdays are typically when I work on the e-commerce store. And that's just part of my business in the morning. That, that's just part of my life now. Okay. And unless something fundamentally changes, I'm probably not going to change. Like, what's nice about e-commerce is that it's constantly changing, mm. and the fact that it's constantly changing makes it very interesting for me. There's mm. always new technology as well. Okay, okay. And um, you made an interesting point about using Sundays for for, for videos. So, um, so especially when it comes to podcasts and and videos, do you do you, do you like to batch in on on certain days? And not do it in other days? Yeah. So I, I do all the right. So I have writers now for the blog, but the script for YouTube is something that I write. I typically do that on Sunday mornings while oh, everyone's still sleeping. People sleep in, in my family. I just write my script and then I do all of my content, filming, podcasting, everything, usually on Monday. So right off on Monday, I'm done for the rest of the week on the content side. 
And then I can work on other things like teaching my class or working on the e-commerce side. Okay. Okay. Got it. And, and um, uh, you, you know, with, with so many things going around, well, be, be it blog and podcasts and courses and the e-commerce business, how, how do you, how do you look at building processes and systems? Because what I understand is you, you don't have a very lean team. You don't have, you know, a lot of operators in the business who are helping yeah. you run the business. So, so how do you, how do you, do you use tools like Notion and ClickUp to, you know, look at all the processes and systems or, or do you hire, you know, somebody from Philippines to help you with all the VA work. So I'm kind of anti-employee, just, I, I mean, I used to be an engineering director and, right. uh, and everyone I've had has been great when I was a director, but there's all these mental issues and there's mental overhead involving managing people. So I've, I went into this business, not wanting any employees. Um, so for my wife quit her job, I just have one VA in the Philippines who helps me with the content okay. editing and all that stuff. On the e-commerce side, we do have employees um, to pack and ship orders, uh, mainly because we sell personalized goods. So okay. we do we allow people to embroider their names and dates and whatnot into our into our linens, and that's the only reason I would say why we have employees in that business and and why we handle our own inventory. If we weren't doing that, we would probably go with three PL or send everything over to Amazon FBA for fulfillment. Okay. Uh, sorry, I didn't answer the last part of your question. So we, I, I communicate with everyone via Slack. And That's then right. for the e-commerce side, I, I'm a coder, right? So anything mm -hmm. I feel can be automated, I'll write code that, that can automate it as, as much as possible. Um, in terms of SOPs, the employees that we do have, we actually make them write the SOPs. So they have them, I have them do a task once and then document it. And that goes on like an internal wiki. And uh, that becomes like the manual for anyone else going forward. Oh, okay. Okay. Got it. But, but you, you're not on Shopify platform. Is there a reason? We're not. Yeah. Um, the reason was, is because Shopify wasn't around when I first got started. Okay. okay. And then uh, over the years, I've just added so much custom code that's specific to my business okay. into the source code that it, unfortunately I, that means I have to maintain it. Okay. Okay. But it does provide me with flexibility. Right. I can have it do whatever I want and no one can raise prices and that sort of thing. But I, it's not something I would recommend for most people, for sure. Okay. 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 Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. And, and coming back back to uh, the book, which is The Family First Entrepreneur, um, how did you how did you manage to get, you know, uh, a book deal from HarperCollins? What was the, the, the uh, you know, the writing process for you? Yeah. So <laughs> for the book, I, they're not going to give you a book deal unless you have an audience. Right. Yeah. Oh, so okay. before I even pitched, I already had a YouTube channel. My podcast was already a top 25 show on iTunes. And then the blog was already getting like 250,000, you know, people. Right. I had a big email list. So uh, I think the hard part in getting the book deal was actually putting together the proposal. Okay. You have to put together a nice document, a sample chapter, table of contents. And then you basically have to show how many books that you're going to be able to move. Oh, okay. okay. And then after that, you hire an agent. And the agent shops it around to the big five publishers, and then they all bid on oh, your book. Okay. You meet with all of them, see who you get along with, and then you just pick one, and then you start writing. Oh, okay. So is it, so you get an advance before you, you start writing. That is correct. You get an advance, uh, which, I mean, it's, it's nice to have, 
And, but, but for me, it wasn't about the money. Like I could have cared less. The advance actually put a lot of pressure on me uh, to, to want to sell a lot of books to make that back. Mm -hmm. I mean, in reality, you can just take that money and run, (laughs) you know? I mean, but the fact that the the publisher is taking a chance on you, putting that money down, at least for people like myself, that, that really makes me feel obligated. (laughs) Right, right. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. And I didn't care about the money at all for the book. The book was really just for for ego and crossing off like another line item on my bucket list. Okay, okay, got it. And what was the promotion process? You before the call, you mentioned you've been to a lot of podcasts, but is there anything specific which you did or you would want to do if you could go back in time? I think I did everything correctly. I hired a book launch coach because my goal was to hit the Wall Street Journal bestseller list. That was okay. my goal. Okay. I knew approximately how many books I needed to sell. And my strategy was basically three-prong. So I was giving out workshops and whatnot, which made people buy the book in order to attend the workshop. Right. I did a ton of podcasts, as I mentioned earlier. Right. And then the third thing was I, I get, I've had a lot of sponsors over the years for my events and the podcast and whatnot. I just reached out to them and said, hey, if you're willing to buy a bunch of books and distribute it to your audience... Um, you know, I'll I'll do something along the content end, like I'll have you on the podcast, or maybe I'll do a YouTube video for you, or a blog post. Oh. So those are the three things that I did primarily. Okay, okay, super super interesting. And um, you, you know, interestingly, every year, you know, you've been able to build on new new things. But what what's in store for you in two thousand twenty four, or maybe you know, going forward, is something in specific you want to, uh, you know, create from your from your bucket list. I mean, to be straight up with you, the book took a lot out of me this first half of the year. Like writing the book and getting the book deal wasn't hard. The promotion of the book really drained me. So my goal actually for the rest of this year was to just take it easy. Okay. Uh, People always ask me what's next. That's kind of not my personality. I I just kind of, whatever interests me. So I'll tell you what's next just based on what's going on. So I'm working on a a bot right now where Mm -hmm. I just upload all the content that I have and hopefully it can help me reduce the support load by allowing people to ask questions to this bot instead of oh, me. Okay. okay. Uh, another thing that we're working on right now is I just got this uh, fabric printer and we're going to launch a whole new line of products for the e-commerce store that involve custom printing. We oh. do custom embroidery right now. Custom printing is just like the next logical step. Mm, okay. Okay. So super, super interesting. Looking forward to at least the the AI bot. You know, that's something which uh, I would also need for my uh, you know podcast and blog. Uh, <laughs> um, and and I quickly want to do the top three. What's your favorite business book? My favorite business book of all time is Influence: Psychology of Persuasion. It's by Cialdini. Um, that book just really changed my viewpoint on how to persuade people to buy from you. Oh, highly recommended. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to put that in show notes. And you know, if you could go back in time when you started your online business, uh, both e-commerce as well as, uh, as well as content business, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? Okay, so on the content side, building an email list, and today building an SMS list at the same time, number one on my list. On the e-commerce side, that one's a little harder because we made so many mistakes. That was our first business; we didn't know what we were doing. Right. I would say for that business, I would have gotten started with content for that business sooner as well. 
Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And and also focusing more on selling to your existing customers rather than focusing all of your efforts on just trying to get new people. Oh, okay. Okay. Very interesting. Um, and uh, and lastly, you know, what's your favorite online tools example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom? Uh, so my favorite tools tend to be the ones that just automate everything. So on the e-commerce side, Klaviyo is probably my favorite tool. Right. I have all these flows in place that automatically cross-sell and upsell depending on what someone bought. Just kind of all in place. Uh, for communication, I kind of like Slack for all my okay. stuff. Uh, but what's funny is that for, for my task list, and people always make fun of me for this, I just use a Google draft, a Gmail draft. Oh, okay. I just list all the things I need to do there. And the reason why the draft works for me is because no matter what device I'm on, I'm always... I always have Gmail open, so it's always accessible. It's always been very hard for me to use. Like I, I tried to use Trello for a long time. Right. I tried to use some of those other tools to, to help, but I found just like the simple act of opening the app and logging in and everything was just too much for me. So Gmail draft. Gmail draft. Okay, that's, that's how I manage everything. <laughs> Interesting. And, uh, and and what's the best way we can reach out to you and know more about your book, The Family First Entrepreneur? Yeah, you can head on over to thefamilyfirstentrepreneur.com. I'm still giving out a bunch of bonuses for buying the book. There's a three-day course on print-on-demand. There's a two-day course on how to get started with content. And I just finished uh, the Family First Challenge. That was a six-week challenge that was designed to get people to just get started and figure out what they want to do. All the recordings for that are still up that you'll get access to you know, if you purchase the book. And if you guys are interested in learning e-commerce, head on over to mywifequitherjob.com. I actually offer a free six-day mini course that'll basically give you a high-level overview of everything you need to know to get started. Awesome. We'll put that in our show notes. Uh, Steve, thank you so much for taking our time and speaking to us. Um, I really enjoyed my conversation with you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com.